0: Good day, everyone, and welcome to New Map, the SLAS podcast where we interview life science luminaries. I'm your host, SLAS Scientific Director Marshall Brennan, and today we're chatting with Margaret Magdesian. She joins us from Ananda Devices, a Montreal-based biotech startup offering high-throughput cellular and tissue nano-organization technology. Recently, Ananda was featured on the Innovation Avenue and was an Ignite Award finalist, so it really is our treat to have Margaret with us. Welcome, Margaret.
1: Thank you. It's a great pleasure to talk to you a bit about, you know, the work we have been developing here in Canada and how this can be used to accelerate drug development worldwide.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's really exciting. Before we get into the the meat and potatoes of what Ananda's working on, I do have to issue you the, the traditional SIS challenge of describing either your day-to-day work or your company in ten words or fewer.
1: Well, what we do every day is try to develop better compartmentalized cultures that mimic exactly how our nervous system is in our body so that we can test new medication in a system that is more physiologically relevant.
0: All right. Excellent. That's a good elevator pitch. It's, uh, it seems like you've practiced. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. Now, with a little bit more to breathe, could you tell us a little bit more about your company's technology? What is your goal in uh, founding Ananda?
1: Yeah, I I was always interested in receptor-ligand interactions and how... I'm a biochemist and pharmacologist, so I was always interested in how molecules interact with the cells. And when I started working with neurons, I saw that the limiting factor for developing new medications for neurological diseases was that we do not have good models. So it's very difficult to have access to neuronal cells. Patients usually do not willing give us a piece of their brains or of their spinal cords like cancer, patients are, yeah, cancer <laughs> patients are usually happy to give away their tumors for us to put under the microscope and analyze the cells. In addition, cancer cells duplicate, which is very easy to grow, while neurons don't. So we don't have a good model. We have been relying on animals, which are a great model for cancer and other diseases, but not neurological diseases because animals mm-hmm. do not naturally develop neurological diseases such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis. So the best we can do is use human iPSC cells today. And to organize those cells like they are organized in our body is a real challenge. I like to make an analogy with a computer. You know, what we're doing today, we'll basically take those cells, we put them on a plate and say compute, just work like you work in the brain. Would be the same as if I would remove the wires from my computer, put on a plate and say compute, doesn't work. They are not precisely connected, and that's what we do. That's what I love doing is basically organizing the neurons on functional networks, so that when we add a different compound, a drug, a vaccine, a serum from a patient, we can immediately identify how does this change the connections? How does this change the function of this neuronal
0: network? Uh, it makes a lot of sense for you know a lot of reasons, like you said, the full access to uh, the cells you need and the lack of good models. I think the way you've described it was really concise, but I think it really understates the uh, challenge of what you all are doing. Can you tell us a little bit about what Ananda's specific... What, what's the secret sauce? What, what has enabled your company to do what is otherwise a really Herculean task?
1: Yeah, before starting Ananda, I worked for five years for eight years, actually. Five years was just uh, directing the facility. And uh, I was basically developing small mazes. We use microfluidics to develop sort of a small maze where we put the neurons and we guide their growth. And I was working for McGill University and we have developed over 50 different devices to guide the growth of neurons. Neurons from the peripheral nervous system, from the central nervous system. We always try to put them in a very close organization to how they are organized in the body. And we learned a few tips, like which are the best cells to grow, which conditions they grow, they like to grow, and how can we make them grow much faster on a chip, on our small mazes. We found one of the designs that is sort of the most flexible one, we call that the the universal design, let's say so. Mm -hmm. And we were capable at Ananda to scale up and to make a, a plate that is compatible with all plate readers in the market. So what we are offering now is, uh, besides the service of developing new assays, we're offering a plate that is compatible with all readers we can use with any microscope. And anyone can grow neurons derived from rats or from humans and from the peripheral or the central nervous system. And they all will have exactly the same organization. It's, um, the goal is really to automate neuronal testing and accelerate the development of new compounds
0: no that's really awesome i think the fact that it will be able to work with existing technologies is a really enabling advance here and so normally my question is you know like okay what do you see as being the most promising outcome from this but it really sounds like you know this is so general that the the sky is kind of the limit you know the this is like a really fundamental enabling technology so congrats on the advance and thank you so much for bringing it to us now that you have this technology in place what do you really see as the big remaining challenge? What should your users be thinking about or your customers be thinking about when they're uh, looking to an technology? Like, what ways of thinking do you think that this enables that folks haven't had access to before?
1: Yeah, I think the main difference is speed because we can get good results. I mean, we can read a plate in 20 minutes mm-hmm. and see, analyze the image, you know, how the neurons are organized, if they, the length, the thickness, and many other. Features of the neuronal profile, we can get in less than thirty minutes. We can get results a minute to put the culture in place until five weeks, which is really you know much faster than most technologies in the market. And we can read three thousand neurons at once, so it's basically throughput, time, and scale. And it's easy to automate. too, but to get there really. We have to work more with the customers on different applications. So what are they really looking for? Because I know it's an enabling platform. What we have identified so far, like working with clients, is that some assays were not possible before. And with our tool, it's possible now. For instance, just testing how drugs interact with the axon and not with the cell body. It was not possible Mm -hmm. before because all cultures were mixed with axons and cell bodies in the same compartment now because we have compartmentalized we can test which is much much closer to what happens in reality Mm -hmm. especially on skin like compounds that touch the neurons the neurons that innervate our skin is mainly touching the axons first and later the soma so we can test that or for muscles same thing we can test this in our compound this was a test that did not exist before and then there's the usual tests like neurodegeneration, the, the most obvious one. Are the axons dying or not? with this compound? So I think my goal now is developing more and more applications and helping the customers to answer their questions faster. And how can we automate that? How can we develop a plug in the microscope? We now have a collaboration with molecular devices, which is going amazingly well. It's a very innovative company, and we are developing new applications for different assays, for instance, Neuron uh, axonal Length, Exxon of so on and so forth. But I'm sure there's plenty of new things to develop. Just because we have the tool for the image, it's all about imaging analysis.
0: That's awesome. I'm really excited to see not only what questions your company will answer, but what new directions that your customers will push you in. So we have a lot to look forward to on that front. I want to take a little bit of a step in a different direction because one of the things that's uh, somewhat unique from my perspective about your company is that you're based out of Montreal. A lot of the biotechs that we interview and feature on this show tend to be based out of you know, uh, you know know the Boston area, San Francisco. Can you tell me a little bit about what it's like being a Canadian startup? How has that helped you and your company grow?
1: Yeah, I mean, from uh, the knowledge perspective, Montreal has the second largest population of PhDs. In the world, just after Boston, so we have five universities. This is a very small, three million people city. And I was working, and so I'm really so happy that I had the chance to work for so long with McGill University at the Montreal Neurological Institute. That's where you know key players in the neuroscience came from. So Dr. Brenda Milner, who discovered the functions and, and described the hippocampal memory, and then also Dr. Wilder Penfield who worked for so long in your science and evolution. So it, it has a lot of history and going to these buildings, and uh, meeting those people in the corridors, it definitely inspired me for innovation and to bring this to the market, to, to make a change, You know, because we can always stay in the lab and develop and publish a new paper and find a new application. But what I've learned during this five years as a CEO of a company is that there's a long path on making everything reproducible and making in skip.
0: That's awesome. I've been really impressed with a lot of the work that I've seen come out of that area. So it's really I actually didn't know about the statistic about the density of PhDs in Montreal. So that's that's a, a fun fact. That's really exciting. Thinking about your story about becoming the CEO, it uh, sounds like you have a primarily lab based background before this endeavor. Can you tell us a little bit about what made you want to make that change and any advice you have for you know young people who are interested in starting their own company?
1: Yeah. My family is originally from Armenia. They immigrated to Brazil during World War I. I was born in Brazil. I did my studies at the University of Sao Paulo. And then I was a professor. And that's when I focused my work on neurons. And when I realized we needed better tools, I joined the Montreal Neurological Institute as visiting professor. I came just for one year, and the goal was to develop new tools to model the brain. But the work went so well that I was hired to manage a facility to develop more of those tools. And at a certain point, a company called us and asked for 10,000 units of one of the devices we were producing. And this was my aha moment. It's when I look around the lab and I said, you know, I could publish a new paper, I could develop, I could go deeper, or I could go broader. And then I decided, you know, you have such a great tool and it has been helping so many people. Why not, you know, accelerate that? Why not produce this in scale and making sure everyone can work with it? It was quite a challenge. We couldn't offer the 10,000 units at once, so it takes time to scale. But we we started with the service, offering services for companies. Basically, the same thing I used to do at Miguel. I started as a company providing services for companies to develop new models of uh, neurons on a chip, and that's that was key for us to identify the real needs and the real challenges for companies. So, especially large corporations, they are very hesitant in you know uh, starting using a new technology. They are quite we talk a lot about innovation, but it's amazing how those giants are hesitant to innovation. And they are like, oh, we don't know. It hasn't been approved yet. What should we do? So it took a while for us to get something easy enough and not too innovative for them to accept first. And then slowly, I hope to convince them <laughs> with all the rest of the technology we have in-house.
0: What's been the biggest challenge of making the shift from uh, McGill to a startup?
1: Yeah, I think the money we can always get. There's always people interested in investing. There's always, you know, most of of the challenges we were able to overcome. The largest one is really how big corporations don't want to change what they are already doing. And it's Mm -hmm. not that they don't want to change. It's like, um, you know, why should I change from my animal model to a human model? So that's where we need so badly the other regulatory agencies to be on our side and to help us bring this innovation to the market one of the advantages of our technology is that we reduce the use of animals by 90 percent Wow! if you're using animal cells we don't need you know that Im- we need 90 percent less cells mm-hmm. for each experiment because everything is miniaturized i think this is a huge advantage right but then uh large corporations are afraid of Introduce using less cells and get the cut from the regulatory agencies, like, why haven't you used more? But then until you explain the technologies and miniaturization, you see sort of a chicken and egg situation we're in. But Mm -hmm. I think it would be very positive if we could gain more support from the agencies and and from the companies to really push innovation forward.
0: Right, and that's always a challenge that's kind of easy to overlook when you're in academia, that you have the opportunity to design your experiments, but actually bringing those to market both from you know the uh, sort of entrenched players and you know just what is safe to bring to customer is a challenge. But you know it's really I am really glad to hear that you know your company has focused uh, so much on being able to reduce animal uses usage. That is certainly something that always kind of troubled me about the pharmaceutical industry. But it's sort of a lot of times it's viewed as necessary. So it's nice to know that you know, between Ananda and some other folks we've talked to recently that it's becoming less the norm. Thinking about changing norms and thinking about innovation, what is the thing that that you are most excited to see change in the long term? You know, if you could look 10 years down the road and, and see what vision you think Ananda could, you know, realize, like, what would be the most exciting outcome for you?
1: Well, I think one of the most exciting moments was when we we got a a contract with a large corporation, the first contract we got with a large corporation, and we received a review. And in the review was that, you know, we reduced the animal use by this amount, by 80% at the time. We reduced the time to develop the assays by 30%. And when I saw I could benefit such a large corporation and become a supplier to those people with the technology that we developed, this is amazingly rewarding because, you know, it. It's for good. It's mm. like, finally, we're bringing therapies faster to the market. Today, over 99% of all the drugs tested for neurological diseases fail in that clinical trial. It's a very high. And the issue is because the preclinical tools are not good enough. If we can change that, if we can shift this, even if it's by 5%, it's going to be huge. And it's going to help so many people, especially now in this pandemic times. I mean, people need therapies and people need help.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for that. I really am grateful for what your company is doing, and uh, I'm really excited to see uh, where it goes into the future. We're at the end of our time here, and so uh, could you tell our listeners where they could learn more about you, your company, and share any remaining thoughts you might have for our listeners? Yes.
1: Yeah, so please go to our website, AnandaDevices.com. And you can learn more about our products and feel free to send us a message and an idea and to promote our company because um, our mission is based on three pillars. One of them is innovation with consciousness, like let's innovate, aware about the environment and reducing animal use, bringing less toxic products to the market. And the second pillar is, of course, reducing animals fermentation. And the third one is innovation with diversity because today most of the drugs are only tested in male subjects and we perform all the tests using male and female cells. Mm -hmm. So I think this is key because we women suffer are the main target for neurological diseases such as Alzheimer's and multiple sclerosis. So we need to understand why.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, On behalf of SLAS, the New Matter Podcast, and our listeners, thank you and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. It's amazing.